0: You're listening to Women Heard, presented by New York Women in Communications. I'm your host, Julie Hockheiser Ilkovich. Today's episode features conversations I had with two of the 2021 Matrix Award winners, Hoda Kotb and Yamish Alsendor. Hoda is the co anchor of The Today Show, and Yamish is the anchor and moderator of Washington Week on PBS and the Washington correspondent for NBC News. I was so honored to have the opportunity to chat with both of these amazing women. So what are the Matrix Awards? I know we've talked about them on this podcast before, but I wanted to tell you a little more about them. They are presented by New York Women in Communications, and they really are our moment to honor our industry's most outstanding leaders and celebrate all the courageous women that have come before them and those that will come after. It's a really, really exciting event for New York Women in Communications and just a really cool moment every single year. Like our last episode, this interview sounds a little different because it was pulled from a discussion we had around those Matrix awards. Because their thoughts and advice were so amazing in these interviews, we wanted to share the audio of these chats with you, but they were recorded last year, so some of the information you're hearing, they might sound a little outdated. I have one correction for this episode. At one point, Yamish mentioned sparring with President Biden. She misspoke and she meant to say former President Trump. Just wanted to include that correction here. It will be important when listening to the interview. As we continue to relaunch the Women Heard podcast, I'm preparing for new, exciting, exclusive interviews with amazing women in communications. Is there someone you think I should interview for the Women Heard podcast? I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to hear your ideas on Twitter. So please tweet me, at Julie in NYC, at J-U-L-I-E-I-N-N-Y-C. Share your thoughts. I'd love to interact with you there and hear who you think we should be interviewing. We would love for you to support our podcast by subscribing, as well as rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platforms. It really does help when you do this. I know you hear this on all podcasts podcast hosts are always saying this, but it really does help. So thank you so much for rating and reviewing our show. And of course, a very special thank you to Hoda and Yamish for taking the time to chat with me and letting us share these conversations with you all. For more information about New York Women in Communications and The Matrix Awards, please visit nywiki.org. That's nywici.org. Enjoy this episode and thanks for listening. taking the time. It's so nice to meet
1: you. It's great to meet you. Thank you so much.
0: Congratulations on your matrix.
1: I'm shocked. I mean, I've been you know (laughs) how many matrix awards I've been to. I've loved I've loved every single one. And I've been so moved and like amazed at the women who are in that number. It's really, really, really cool. So thank you.
0: Well deserved. Of course. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing women in the workplace today?
1: I can only speak for, I can speak for myself and for a lot of people who I love a lot. I actually think it's confidence. Um, And I feel like confidence has been one of those things that has been really hard coming for me. And this is how I realized this. It, It literally took me, it was, I don't know, I guess it was probably 10 plus years ago I was working at Dateline and I was always so shocked that I was where I where I was. And um, I got sick with cancer and it was breast cancer. And I remembered in this moment, like feeling like my life had an end that I didn't see coming and I was really scared. And one morning I woke up in the middle of the whole mess and I got, these words which came so strongly to me and the words were you can't scare me and i realized how like what what am i afraid of in this moment what am i afraid of so i did something at work that i never did i was always the hard worker you know the one who thought i'd get noticed because i worked hard look at her she's staying late again for the 17th day in a row you know i thought i was and what ended up happening was um There was a job opening they were starting a new hour of today and i marched in there julie and i'll never forget it i'm like i'm going to see jeff zucker everyone's like who are you i was like get out of the no 52nd floor i had not been up there i didn't know if there what was up there i hit the button i went up and i saw jeff and i said you know what i had this epiphany and i went through this big speech and he's looking at me kind of crazy but at the end, I said, I can do this job. Like I was saying things that I would only say in my imagination and in my dreams. And at the end of the day, like producers, some producers were rooting for me too, obviously, but I got the job, like, and I thought to myself in retrospect and hindsight, as I was reflecting, like, why did I have to get sick to get confidence? It was so crazy, but that's how it, that's how far down my confidence was. I had to be at the brink of a life-changing moment before I was gonna go ask for something that, you know, and, and, and if I hadn't gotten sick, sick, I wouldn't have asked for it. So I think confidence because, confidence to ask for the right amount of money that you deserve, confidence to say, I want off the overnight shift, confidence to say, I deserve more, confidence to say, I'm gonna take off because I'm gonna pick my kid up from his very first day of school and this is gonna be something he'll never forget. Confidence to say, you know, I want a promotion. All those things. And I, feel like, I feel like once you have that, like everything's possible. But, you know, and I, I came from that school of, well, you know, just be polite and be cool and everyone will notice and you'll figure it out. But I think confidence is probably the one that I would put my finger on.
0: I love it. We're off to an inspirational start. I'm, (laughs) I'm already inspired. What does winning a matrix award mean to you?
1: Um, I have been in the audience at the matrix awards many times. Um, and looking at the women in our industry, the Titans of our industry. And it's always pinched me. Like I remember seeing Oprah at the matrix awards. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Oprah it's oprah like you can't believe it i remembered you know you s- seeing barbara walters seeing all of the you know diane sawyer the katies all of the people who um are at the tip top of their game looking at them on the stage not just in our industry um the, the broadcast industry but in all of the industries in our in the media and i just remembered saying oh my gosh i can't believe i'm witnessing this and to watch them give speeches move me to my core because they spoke to me, you know, they spoke to me. And I always, I thought to myself like, wow, like that that they just like would hit it out of the park. So to think, I mean, look, I'm in my career, I'm 57 years old and I'm having a pinch me moment. I mean, imagine how cool that is to be able to do something to to get an award like this and to think to yourself, I don't know if I'm worthy of this, but thank you. And that's kind of how I feel.
0: Great. You are you are worthy of <laughs> it. But that's a great answer. <laughs> in 2018, you became co-anchor for today, mm-hmm. joining yep. Savannah to form the first female co-anchor team for the show. I remember mm-hmm. it so well. <laughs> what did that achievement mean to you when you first got it? And what does it maybe even mean to you now if it's mm-hmm. different and so much has happened since 2018?
1: Yeah. Um, I think when it happened, we were all in such a state of shock that I don't know that the impact of it was clear to me. I think, I think we just were trying to get through that really difficult and terrible time at the Today Show together. And um, I think at that point we were just supporting each other. And we, we know that we're both strong journalists. We know that we can both do this job, but I don't think the impact of having two women working side by side was, I didn't feel, I didn't think about that part. And I don't know why I didn't because I, you know, we'd worked together for a long time and I'd sat next to Savannah before, but this sounds really weird. I was walking into Soul Cycle and I remember it because I sat on the bike in the back, which is where I enjoy sitting. Uh, and I sat in the back and when I walked in, everyone started applauding. And I was like, oh, my God, they're doing a birthday early. It's somebody's birthday. And they were applauding the fact that there were two women on the today show and uh, they go girl power and everyone was and i looked around i said oh my god like i didn't realize in that moment what it meant and um then i you know along the way we've met young people and kids who now think it's a totally normal thing to see two women uh, sitting next to one another uh and i think savannah and i work whether we were To a a man and a woman, or two women, a guy, you know, it it wouldn't have mattered. Like, I feel like we're puzzle pieces that fit. And when you find that no matter in what gender it works. So it, we knew it was going to work regardless. I think the bonus is that we happen to be two women who cheer each other on, who root for each other, who want the other to succeed. And now we get the privilege of showing little girls that, oh yeah, you, of course you can do that. They won't even think twice. Like for us, it was like, wow. And now it's like, oh, that that's, of course they do that. And now we even see it when we, th- when we talk to our local affiliates in the mornings, you know, to tell them what's coming up. We're like, oh, two women, up there, oh, two women there. Like it just starts to become normal. And I think, you know, now in 2021, I mean, it's almost become, you know, a part of our life. Like I don't, I don't think of the two of us that way. I just think the two of us as partners who are letting people know what's going on in the world. It's, you know, it's bleak, but you know, we're we're here too, we're holding your hand, we're walking, let's walk through it, let's tell you what it is, let's shoot it straight. You know, but I think sometimes women have a way of telling you the truth without using a mallet, you know, to like, to to really drive it home. And I feel like we both, um, work at that. So we hope that during this time, especially when everybody is like, you know, I can't turn on the news. I'm so depressed. I have to turn away. You know, I mean, I get it, you know, I don't, I get it. And so we try our best to do it in a way that is straightforward, but also knowing that there are moms and dads at home with little kids who have lives and you know, it's, it's complicated. Great
0: job. In New York Women in Communication, we are very focused on mentorship. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you have a mentor or mentors throughout your journey? And were there any key lessons that you learned from mentors along the way?
1: Um, It's funny, I always picked like the best writer, best reporter in all the markets I ever worked in. And I said, what are they doing? How did they get that interview with the aunt who no one else could get? How did they do that? So I would, and I would often ask, I know you're, you know, sometimes you're supposed to observe and sometimes people don't like when you ask, you know, questions, but I was always eager to ask. I don't know that there was one mentor, but there were people throughout my career who guided me. And it's so funny because most recently, and I think you need a mentor all the time. uh, Most recently, I, I just had this conversation with Maria Shriver and she gave me this piece of advice that was so, on point for me and and um i've shared it with a couple of my friends but she said when you're trying to look at your life and prioritize it she said get a platter or plate from your house and put it on the table and get some pieces of paper and write down the things that require your love and your attention and your focus and write them down on pieces of paper that correspond with the amount of time and love and support they need so in other words Your kids, your spouse, your job, uh, exercising, uh, your friend, your mom who's not feeling well, this, that, and the other, uh, you know, your podcast, your charity, you know, put it all on there and look at your life and see if your priorities are straight. Like you could say to your spouse, you know, you're my priority, but you look on the platter and they're about as big as your charity is. So it reminded me that sometimes you have to take a good hard look at your life and reevaluate and move things off and add things on and realize if your plate's overflowing, you're drowning. What are you doing? You know, you think you're sprinting and look at me and I can juggle it. No, you're not, you're tired. Like, what are you doing? So she helped me realize like, that can come off the plate. This needs to be smaller. This needs to be bigger. I need, time. there's no me time on this whole platter except for my 30 minutes of exercise. Like, what is that? That's not good. Like, let me make that bigger. Anyway, it, it. sometimes I feel like there's there's mentorship in work, but in life, and life translates in work, you know? You realize like, what am I doing here? And I remember when I played basketball in high school I was, when I was a freshman, I was always exhausted because I was sprinting all over. I was so tired, (laughs) running, 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 running. And as I became a senior, I realized, oh, now I sprint and now I wait. Now I sprint and now I wait. Now I don't take that crazy shot. I take this one and it's gonna hit. I'm not gonna take 10 of those when none of them are gonna hit. And then by the end of the game, I still felt alive when I was a senior and I knew when to sprint and when to hold back. And I feel like that's one of those lessons that you learn in life too as your career goes on it's like now i have to give a thousand percent but i'm not going to give a thousand percent every second because i'll be dead on the floor so i'm trying to like work it out but to answer your question uh most recently and one of my favorite people on the planet earth is maria and her advice is beyond and one other thing she said just fyi for your own she said she said write down the, um, the emotions or feelings that someone has a trait that someone has that triggers you like what bugs and gets on your skin. So, you know, I'm like, Oh, I hate to be bossed around by men. So I wrote that. So anyway, I wrote down my things and she goes, okay, now look at that list. And she goes, that's you. I go, and I'm like, oh my God, I am a control freak. Oh, you're right, that is me. Oh shoot, oh God. But anyway, it's a way to realize it's why two people who are alike don't usually work together in a relationship because you're seeing yourself all over. Anyway, it's just like life stuff that I feel like is important and I apply in, in my work setting too, you know. So I guess Maria is my answer.
0: Yeah, Maria is now my mentor too because yeah. I'm gonna take those exercises. Yes, and-
1: so good, they're so good. I-
0: and you probably like this if you're a control freak like me. I like actionable yeah. exercises. Yes. Like I yes. want to write that list rather yes. than just like think big picture about no. My you priorities.
1: need to write it down. Yes.
0: Yes. You're a mom of two.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: So 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 yes. fun. Ha- yes. Has your perspective on your career and work changed since you became a mom?
1: Um. Yes, it has. Um. I think it's because. For the very first time, look, everything good in my life happened after 50. Everything, like it's such a weird thing to even imagine, but, you know, was able to have a family that I thought was out of reach. And in addition, I ended up getting a job that, you know, who would have, ever, like, it's a job you don't even write down in your journal journalist, you know, with a heart around it, like maybe I'll get that one day. So I think that everything kind of worked in in this moment, so what I was what I learned is from my girls. Like I know where my north star is, and I think I think I always kind of thought I did, um, but now I know, and it's easier for me to say yes and no. Answers are very clear. I still do plenty of things that are work-related obviously, but it's very easy to realize what stuff I just did to to do it. So I'm more choosy with what I decide to do outside of my home. I make sure that um, my girls know that they are my number one priority. I also want them to know how much I enjoy work. I want them to like work. I want them to know it's not the thing that keeps mommy away It's a thing she enjoys. You know, I had a work phone call the other night and I, she said, do you have a work phone call? Haley started crying and I said, I said, one day you're gonna find something you love to do so much and you're gonna love your family. Like I just, like I love you, but you're also gonna enjoy, you know, doing your work. And I said, it's important. Mom likes going to work, you know? Mom, I said I like it, and she goes, "Well, can I come with you one day?" I said, "Yes, as soon as you know all this is over, you can you can definitely come." So I think it's important to teach them that that work matters. But I have to tell you, to finally have like a compass that is clear and not wandering around. It's like, aha, uh-huh. like now I know that was not important, and this is. And at the end of the day, you know like I love my work family beyond, and I, I, I've, it's, it's, it's beyond my comprehension, how much love that I have for the people who I work with every day. Um, But I also know that it's important to, to realize like my, my career has ridden sidecar my whole life, my whole life up until I was 50, it was sidecar always. And now, my kids ride sidecar. Okay. My career is rides in the back, but it doesn't mean it's secondary. I work it just like I would. I wake up at three. I do my thing. I work real hard, but priority-wise, I know, I know what my North Star is.
0: That's amazing. Mm-hmm. This will be our last question, and okay. you talked about waking up at three. Yeah. Uh, what keeps you going when that alarm goes off after a rough night's sleep or uh, when the news is particularly heavy uh, or when you're just like, I don't want to wake up today. What keeps yeah. you going?
1: <laughs> do you have that? Um, Maybe you don't have that. You know what's that. weird? I do have that. The only quiet time I get is the morning, and I treasure it. It's weird. My alarm goes off at three. By three thirty, I'm sitting downstairs at my kitchen table. Okay, I do the exact same thing almost every day. I write my kids a note, and then I have to give them clues to find it, like that. T- <laughs> so I, I know it turns, it's turning into a whole sitch. But anyway, I do that. I light a candle, I make some tea. I listen to one of those, there's like a, an app that has like different prayers and things. And I'll listen for like five minutes and then I'll scribble in my journal. Um, and as I'm sitting there, like, I actually love that time because I think it may be the only like 30 minutes that I get. So, even though like everything's crummy and some days it is harder than others. And I like barely write the note in my journal. Like I can't even read what I scribbled in there. Like Lord only knows what it was, but I feel like I actually like that time of day. Weirdly I enjoy sitting there like just with thoughts and, you know, putting it all out on the table. And I try to do this thing that's been helpful. Like, someone was to explain to me about setting an intention for the day, like, like writing that down again, like writing it down. I interviewed a guy who's been married for 10 years and has four kids. And he said that his intention for the last few months has been to date his wife. And I thought, okay. And so sometimes you feel like sometimes it's that sometimes your intention is I haven't been of service. When's the last time I did something, I'm going to make that my number one today. So I think, the the thing about the morning is it's like the clean slate time. It's like the time when I get that 30 minutes. So I'm not saying I don't drag some mornings, but nine times out of 10. I'm like, I get my 30 minutes. I'm taking it and I enjoy that moment. And as soon as I'm done with all of that, I start to do my homework and study for the show. Um, but when I'm when I'm feeling really bumming just because the news is bad and everyone seems in a funk, I try to um, sounds corny and but i try to do some service like i feel like i feel like that helps
0: balance it out a little
1: little yeah sometimes a little yeah especially when you feel out of control there's nothing you can do you're like what could i possibly do and they're like nothing really so you're like okay well today i'm gonna try i'm gonna try something and see if it it helps and literally sometimes i tell this to my kids like look around There's some, right now there's someone who needs you as we're pushing the stroll. I go, look around, just look, just look. You'll see, just keep looking. I don't see it, mom, keep looking. You just Mm -hmm. gotta look. And it's there usually, and that usually helps. Sometimes I just crank up music and sometimes I just (laughs) wanna start day drinking, but (laughs) that's really, let's be real. Okay, some days it's just, you gotta start. You're like, what time is it? Okay, when Kathy Lee was here at, yeah, when Kathy Lee was here, it was 12.01 at noon. It was like, and we break it out. Okay. <laughs> For real.
0: Oh my God. Well, Hoda, you're the best. I so oh. appreciate your time. Oh, thank hope. you.
1: I'm sorry it was rushed, but thank you so much. Totally I'd love fine. to visit with you again. Thank you so much, Julie.
0: First of all, congratulations on your matrix award. Thank you. You're welcome. What do you think is the biggest challenge facing women in the workplace today?
2: The biggest challenge I think facing women in the workplace today is this expectation of being able to work through anything and not being able to take a break. Um, So many times women in particular are seen as doers. They're seen as the people who can get anything done. They're seen as people who can push through when in fact, sometimes people need breaks. And it's not a sign of weakness to be able to say, I need a mental health break. I need to, to take a pause here. I need to take care of myself or my family, I think the expectation for women in particular um, is to work doubly as hard as men at times um, for not as many rewards or promotions or, or frankly pay. We know that the pay gap is a big issue. And I should say as an African-American woman, I think the, the stereotype of a hardworking black woman can help us in some ways when it comes to trying to be hired and to be seen as someone who's productive. But I also think it could hurt us in that we are seen as workhorses and seen as doers and being given an exceedingly amount of work to do without being able to say, I need I need to pull back a bit. Thank
0: you. That was such a great, meaningful answer. You became the host of Washington Week in May. Congratulations. When you take on a role with so much history, how do you strike a balance between carrying on its legacy and making it your own?
2: It's a great question. Uh, Washington Week has this 54-year history and legacy of being this amazing show that people want to watch, that people feel um, really connected to every Friday. Um, and I want to, to make sure that I keep that legacy going in, in the sense of it being a place where you see the best reporters, um, you hear the best information and you really review what we've all lived through that week. That being said, I, I, I like the idea of making the show fresh. So for me, that means really focusing it both of course on power and politics, but also on everyday people's lives, on making sure that the vulnerable people in our society Um, Making sure that women and people of color that they are focused on at their everyday issues, their kitchen table issues, are at the center of our conversations. Um, That's the way that I think I'm making it my own. I'm also not afraid to talk about things like race for a for the whole show, if needed. We did a special on George Floyd where the entire show was was talking about race and politics with a little bit of breaking news at the top. And what what it told me is that I can mold this show and and really own this show um, until the country here's what's important here are the issues that we should be focusing on and we'll take them one show at a time
0: as the face of washington week how do you build a relationship of trust with your audience particularly if trust in the news is historically low
2: well one thing i i saw this really smart um analysis reporters and journalists we've been talking for so long about the the sort of historically low trust in the news when you look now in the middle of a pandemic Congress is also facing a, a, a trust issue. Doctors and scientists are also facing a trust issue. Our society is is in this is in this critical inflection period where people are questioning truth and truth itself. So for me on, on Washington week, that means just continuing to put out, really fair and accurate reporting and bringing on people who are at the heart of the things that we're talking about, who have the reporting and the expertise to really bring our audiences new and fresh information and information that will expand their understanding of the world. Um, I'm not focused so much on trying to prove people wrong and trying to prove that the media isn't biased what I'm what I'm focused on is is telling people here's what's going on with this pandemic, with racial justice, with abortion. Here's what here are the facts, and you take it take those facts in, um, and make make of them what you will. It's great. No, it's such a good point also
0: about trust in everything being extremely low right now. It's such a such a moment in time. Before Washington Week, you spent six years covering the twenty sixteen campaign and then the White House. What did you learn during that time that you think aspiring political reporters should know?
2: It's a great question. Um, I learned so much covering the campaign in 2016, as well as the White House. Um, One of the things that really I learned was to really um, lean into my experiences, lean into the, the unique view that I bring as a reporter. So when I was covering the 2016 campaign and covering Bernie Sanders, I was writing about race pretty regularly because I knew that the Democratic Party, whose base is made up um, very, very heavily of African-American voters, that they were going to need to to be behind this candidate and that he had real issues in that department. It's something that made him lose in 2016 and made him lose in 2020. That his, his, his inability to get uh, a real big support, um, I should say, the, the thing that made... Bernie Sanders lose in 2016 and 2020, was the fact that he did not garner enough support among African-Americans. And it's how President Biden got to be in office because African-Americans in particular backed him in South Carolina and that changing. So I think for me, my experiences have taught me to really trust that I have a a view that that makes me unique and, and that I have good story ideas that are born out of the way that I would see the world. It also, um, I also learned, covering the White House in particular, that you need to have really, really thick skin. I think so many people got to know me and know my work through when I was sparring with President Biden, but I also sparred, frankly, with Senator Bernie Sanders. And I, I, we had back and forth, tense back and forth, um, not to the level of the former president. The, the senator never went at me in the, in, the, in the personal ways that the former president did. I should say that because I think it's a really important point. That said, um, to be a journalist and a political journalist, you have to be ready to, to stand up for your reporting. You have to be ready to push and hold political leaders accountable. You have to be ready not to be scared when the when when a, when a tense moment is playing out for millions and millions of people to watch. Um, that's something that I learned um, and, and that really sticks with me as I go into this next phase of my career. How did you
0: kind of develop a thick skin? Because I think a lot of people deal with this at work, like trying not to, you know, having difficult situations, having difficult conversations, not making it emotional, not taking it personally. Do you have any thoughts or advice on on kind of how to deal with that in the workplace? There
2: are a couple of things that, that have helped me develop thick skin and help me navigate um, challenging situations. The first is I should say that I have Really, really great mentors and really, really great friends and support system and family who really have my back and who really um, help me feel confident and help me process. Um, what it means to to have challenges and to go through challenges. I also think that it's doing the job and making sure that you realize that the job that you're doing, um, that it's not just about you, but that it's about whoever you're trying to service. So for me in journalism, I I, I count the American people as the people who I'm representing. So in the middle of a pandemic, when the president was yelling at me, I kept thinking there are people who are going to die today of, of the pandemic, of COVID, who need to know are we gonna have enough tests? Are we gonna have enough ventilators? Am I gonna be able to save my, my family if we all get sick? so i think really being grounded in something that's that's larger than yourself really helps you put in perspective the challenges that you have because you have a purpose for why you're doing the things that you're doing and i should say um i also developed a a tough skin as an african-american woman from the day i was born i was surrounded by by black people in particular haitian americans who came to this country in the 1970s fleeing a dictator um who who instilled in me this, this, this sense of worthiness that I earned, um, everything that I got and that, and that our, our family was here to, 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 to really, um, navigate challenges and, and to flourish and to thrive and to survive and developing that thick skin had to do with watching my mom, who was a school social worker, um, raise me and my brother as a single mom and understand that, that, that she didn't have it easy. Um, and also just doing this job in a black body. I've, heard so many different things that are discriminatory, that are frankly racist, um, and, and I've had to, to really take that in and continue to stay professional and continue to do my job. Thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing that. I think it's really meaningful. and will be really very relatable to the audience. And we've, we've, ta- we've touched upon this in the interview, but many of your stories have covered the intersection of race and politics. What advice do you have for journalists covering these stories and, and really doing them justice?
2: When you're covering race and politics, you have to be not afraid of telling hard truths. You have to not look away when things get uncomfortable and you have to really be willing to um, spend the time to, to, to deeply understand the issues. Race is such a complex issue in this country. It's, it goes back to our, our original sin as, as, as a country, which is stealing the land from Native Americans and enslaving Black people um, for, for, for years. Um, so I think we you have to really have this sense of grounding in history um to really, I think, cover these things well and cover them robustly. But it really also just means you have to also have guts. You have to be able to say that was a lie. That was not right. that was that that was racist. I think that those are the things that that in the last four years, um were tough but were necessary to really get good journalism out there. This is
0: inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing all these thoughts. You have a memoir coming out called Don't Forget. What is something you hope a reader of your book will remember?
2: I hope that when people read my memoir, that they won't forget that they have the confidence and the wherewithal to make it through anything um, if they if they can remember who they are and the power that just being you brings. Um, my story is a story of someone who is a descendant uh, of, of enslaved people who who founded a, a country in, in Haiti, um, who were immigrants, who came to the United States in the 1970s fleeing dictators, um, who navigated as a, as a Black woman, a young Black woman myself, um, newsrooms where I was told at times that I wasn't pretty enough to be on TV, that I didn't look confident enough. To do the stories that i wanted to do so i really hope that when people read my book that they feel so inspired inspired to do whatever they want to do whether it's journalism or being a wall street banker or a lawyer i hope that um, my book translates into a coming of age story that allows other people to feel confident in either their coming of age if they're a younger um person young women or young men but also feel confident in who they are if they're a veteran and and, and are feeling Um, like, like they need some inspiration and, and, and some, and some power to go on. And what was your process
0: for writing it?
2: Um, I mean, it's really just like journaling and writing and and thinking about stories and talking to my family and traveling a bit and really just understanding, um, what makes me, me and, and what, and what makes me, me, um, I should say is part of my, part of my journey was also, um. Reflecting on the advice that I have given my mentees, young women and young men who come to me and ask me for advice, and I also think about the, the advice, the best advice that I got when I was lucky enough to have mentors like Gwen Eiffel or her a really good friend Athalia Knight, a longtime Washington Post reporter, or other um, women like Nicole Hannah Jones um, of the New York Times. I, I also reflecting of about um, how lucky I am to have people who really believed in me and still believe in me and what that's done to help me. And I hope that I can, in some ways, pass that along through this book.
0: That's a perfect transition because we've talked about, you've talked a bunch about your mentors and, and how helpful they've been. And then, you know, how you also are a mentor to people. New York Women in Communications, I mean, mentorship is a big part of the organization. We have a mentorship program. Do you have advice? Um, about creating and uh, nourishing mentor-mentee relationships. I think that's often a challenge for people in terms of, you know, feeling like, can they develop or get a mentor and how that kind of happens and how they maintain that relationship?
2: On the mentee side, if you're looking for a mentor, I think you just have to um, go out and and find people that you have connections with. And and really try to find someone who, who will take the time to really be um invested in your career. Being a mentor is time is is has, has being a mentor requires time. So you also want to find someone that feels like they have the time to mentor you. Um, that I think I think that's 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 key. Being a mentee, I think it really means being respectful of your mentor's time, but also um also being honest with your mentor, uh, whether or not you're you're struggling, you're challenging or you've made a mistake. I think it, for me, it's, I've always been really vulnerable with the people who chose to be my mentors and have been real with them to say, here's where I'm struggling, here's where I don't think I'm doing well, here's, here's the options that I'm weighing, what should I do? Here are my fears, here are my, here are my, my, my wishes for my, for my career. And it's been really, really helpful in, in, in allowing people um, to help me navigate what I wanna do. And, and I've been lucky that I've had mentors that have really encouraged me to dream my wildest dreams um, I'm now at Washington Week in the chair that was once helmed by Gwen Ifill, who was a, was a dear mentor to me, and it's surreal to me that she helped me so much get to this point, point. and in some ways I think that I, I, I think every day I hope I'm making Gwen proud because she cared so much about Washington Week, and I think in some ways it's almost like Gwen is continuing this legacy through Washington Week because she trained me, she helped me really understand what good journalism looked like and, and the show I think that she loves so much. I'm hoping that it still um has some of the same principles and some of the same value that it had when when she was at the chair.
0: That's amazing to continue your mentor's legacy is really so special. And congratulations again on winning the Matrix Award. Um what does winning a matrix award mean to you?
2: And winning a matrix award to me really it feels like such a blessing because i'm being recognized among a sea of women who have just done amazing work um when i look at the names that are that are next to me i'm thinking of maggie haberman aquafina hoda these are people that i look up to these are people that that inform me these are people that entertain me these are people that I, that i think are just amazing women and to think of myself as as being um, in the same category as them, it, 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 it is just surreal and it blows my mind. And I'm so grateful and so honored to, to be a, a Matrix awardee.
0: Well, it's very well deserved. I'm very excited for you.
2: Thanks so much. Really, been such a treat
0: to have this time to chat.
2: Great. Well, thank you so much for talking with me.
0: You've been listening to Women Heard, presented by New York Women in Communications. I'm your host, Julie Hochheiser-Ilkovich. Thank you to the amazing team that works on this podcast: Chelsea Orcutt, Elizabeth Roberts, Chrisanne Grisay, Mandy Carr, Shania Anderson, and Alex Fetter, who wrote our original theme music. And thank you to everyone at New York Wiki who supports us. For more information about Women Heard, go to nywiki.org/podcast. That's nywici.org/podcast. Thanks for listening.